This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast from The Times. I'm Matt Chorley. Firstly, a massive welcome to all of our new listeners who've joined in the last few weeks. And a huge thank you to everyone who's posted such lovely reviews on iTunes, including Nicky Noodles, Extrapnel, Posy Rosie, Finn Parr, James Evans and others. And a special hello to Lexicon9193, who says, I ruined the old opinion podcast under Tim Montgomery, but for some reason has still kept listening for another three years uh, before getting in touch to tell me they're still not happy. But welcome. Anyway, if you'd like to help us up the iTunes chart and reassure us that we're not just screaming into the void, please post a review now while you're listening to this episode's we- which is going to be a cracker. Are you gripped by election fever? The country, well, most of it outside London, goes to the polls on Thursday, May the 2nd. But what will happen? What does it mean? Why does it matter? And who cares? To answer all those questions and more, I'm joined in the studio by Conservative peer and polling guru Robert Hayward, Lord Hayward. Deborah Matteson was Gordon Brown's pollster in number 10 before founding the polling firm Britain Thinks. And Sean Kemp worked for the Lib Dems including four years in Downing Street, joined the coalition, but is much better now. Uh, Welcome to you all. Um, And this is important. You know, we're we're a political podcast. We should be excited about local... We should be excited about democracy happening, even if um, the country isn't. What is happening? Where? And what should we expect? Polls, as you say, are everywhere virtually outside London and Birmingham in England, not in Scotland and Wales. They are in Northern Ireland. Um, there's some councils where a third are up, some where all are up. The competition doesn't include Brexit or Change UK (laughs) because they are recently formed parties. So this is essentially Tory territory in the shires with a few large metropolitan authorities which are utterly dominated by Labour. And crucially, the last time this bunch of seats, pretty much about 8,000 altogether, the last time they were up was 2015, which was when the Tories did very well. They won the majority that nobody expected. The Lib Dems did not have a good night. Sorry to bring that up again, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for wording it so politely. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously Labour didn't do as well as they might have expected because, you know, they thought they were going to win the election. They didn't. So what's a good night, bad night for the parties? Well, the baseline is clearly what reversing what happened last time. As you say, Tories gained roughly 500, uh, Lib Dems lost 400, Labour lost just 
200 odd and if the numbers don't add up you can blame UKIP um, for that but that's in simple terms so the parties have to reverse that as an absolute baseline I think that will happen the Tories are going to lose far more than they gained in 2015 Um, the real worry for the Labour Party is that they may not gain that many more and therefore it'll be a to appear to be a problem for them question mark for Deborah to comment on possibly and uh, the Lib Dems probably have a good night the question is whether they have a really good night or whether they just regain the steps that they lost both in 2015 Sean and possibly in 2011 as well that would be a lot of seats (laughs) (laughs) I think they lost 400 seats on both occasions they're not going to get all those back in one house the thing about being Lib Dems is you you can lose it all quite quickly in the local elections then you have to it takes a while to sort of dredge your way back up so the hashtag lib dem fight back that we've been talking about for almost a decade now is it's still a very good hashtag. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's survived as a hashtag more than it has in reality though sure that's the problem I, the, the lib dems will be hoping if they can get a decent gain enough for them to say we're the winners on the night um enough to sort of position themselves as maybe gaining more seats maybe than late labor even and as a kind of way of setting themselves up against Change UK or the Tiggers or whatever name they've got today. Um, you know, may change by the time the podcast comes out. Um, that they may, um, I'm not bitter, um, that they, if they can sort of set themselves up the European elections again, look, you see, we're the fighting force. I think they would, that's what they want to get out of it, a sort of sense of momentum. Mm. I mean, you're right, the Lib Dems have been looking for a sort of sense of momentum for a while because he's another opportunity to do that. So, Debit, Labour. Yes. I mean, actually, just before thinking about Labour, I think it just is worth pausing for a moment and thinking what the world was like just four years ago and how very, very different. Because thinking about what those locals were like, um, you know, back in 2015, you know, this was the world where you couldn't have imagined that Theresa May would be about to lead the Tory party. If somebody had said Jeremy Corbyn is going to lead the Labour party, people would have laughed in your face. And, And of course, we couldn't also have imagined the referendum. And I think that's, it just was an extraordinary time. There was a general election as well on the same day, which made it very different. So the turnout, and I'm sure we're going to talk about turnout at some point, but turnout then was 65%. One thing I can confidently predict is it will not be 65% this time, that is for sure. So, yeah, I mean, how are Labour going to do? I mean, I think local elections are really interesting. They are sort of like, you know, one part dog poo and potholes and three or four parts sticking two fingers up to the incumbent. Um, And it's a chance to show how cross you are with the governing party without risking, without fear of the other guys getting control. So that's great. So you can say, I'm really cross. But what do you do if you're also a bit cross with the other guys too? And I think that's the, that is the dilemma that Labour finds itself in. You know, the protest vote that it ought to be wrapping up very, very confidently and happily, I think it may not. Um, it obviously is going to do better than 2015. Surely it's going to do better than 2015. But will it do well enough to be able to hold its head up? I don't know. Traditionally, when politics was normal, the opposition party did very well in council elections. The government of the day yeah. lost loads of seats. And then Tony Blair went on and won a, another landslide majority anyway. Yes, yes. Um, and we all shrugged and said, well, that was, you know, locals don't matter. But actually, this is definitely the story under Jeremy Corbyn has been 
he was going to lose loads and loads and loads of seats because everybody hated him and then he only lost a few seats and yeah. what didn't turn out to be quite and it was all a bit of a muddle yeah i mean 2017 was very interesting in that respect wasn't it which was that the locals I've there heard it described as many things <laughs> interesting is one of the more polite <laughs> words i think but you know but even was, in the local on, elections the, the locals Corbyn, were yeah. what sort of heralded yes. the expectation or built the expectation that theresa may was going to storm After the locals it. in 2017 i didn't think labor i thought labor i thought all the predictions we had going into the election were definitely going to come true the labor didn't have a chance precisely and the things obviously changed during the campaign. It didn't change that much. It was yeah, it was one of those rare campaigns though that did change things. I mean, we were looking at two yes. new mm. leaders that nobody knew very well, and one of them was much worse than everybody expected, and the other one was a bit better than everybody expected, and that that was transformational, I think. But yes, that that was that was an example of um, of, of not predicting what's going to happen next, and there are many many in history. Um, so in that respect, locals, you know, you have to look at with some caution. So what are the Labour Party going to do on Thursday? I, th- I think that they will do better than they did in 2015, but I think that they will not do very well. And I think turnout is going to be really important here. Um, and I think it'll be very low. Um, it, you know, usually it's, it's sort of mid-30s-ish for locals. I think, and, and Rob and I were talking about this when we were, we, we were waiting to come in, I mean, I, th- I think it'll be under under 30, and I think you do as well. I think there's every prospect, if I can pick up on two or three different mm. things. One in relation to what Sean said, talking about the results on the night, we have to remember for those who are preparing themselves, gearing themselves up with extreme enthusiasm, that over 50% of the counts won't even start until Friday morning. So we've seen that as yes. a further change. So if you're going to pull it all nighter, you, it's going to be, be a long it's old shift be one on hell Friday. Of a long, although yeah. everybody can thank themselves or thank thank the lord that tower hamlets is not involved in counting and therefore two two comments that, that deborah made one in relation to turnout i think we may see an all-time low it'll be difficult and what, to, what is an all-time low for effectively for anything under 30 percent yeah you'll have, there are wards uh, tragically for seven percent seven percent is the lowest i've ever heard of i think i, I must admit I, I hadn't heard of that one yeah. but, um, <laughs> but so but over a cro- whole borough but 25 30 percent in places like wiggins and ellens nosley in the northwest um, so we'll see a series of low turnouts across the country even those areas which historically have turned out slightly higher the in the home counties, the Hertfordshires, the, the Essexes, where there's normally quite a high, t- high turnout for local government terms, 40 45%, yeah. I think may fall. The other aspect of politics which has changed, and it is a reflection not purely of Brexit, is the sheer aggression and unpleasantness mm-hmm. of this whole campaign. You listen and see people, politicians using terms of vilification of their own colleagues, which sets such an appalling tone that we have incidences of people being spat at, people being attacked, people swearing in a way that I've never come across. You know, any one of those would have made national headlines. We've had all of those and more right across the country. Absolutely. I mean, we're finding in our polling... 83% 83% of people say that they feel let down by the entire political establishment. 
and the anger that comes through the focus groups is palpable. And and I think you know you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you'd you'd heard Rob of somebody being literally being hit, a woman candidate yes. being hit. Um, I'd heard of a canvasser being spat at again, a woman actually uh, being spat at. I've never heard those stories before. We had a week or so ago. We had a comment piece from a Tory count, sitting Tory councillor from the southeast. They did it anonymously because. They didn't want to attract any more attention mm. to them. But they said that they'd been out on a Saturday, they had a campaigning Saturday, they had sort of 40-odd people there. Only three or four would even go and knock on doors, uh, including sitting councillors wouldn't go and knock on doors mm. because yes. of the uh, reaction that they were getting. And who can blame them? But what does that say for democracy if people who want to be elected representatives can't go out and canvass and can't, you know, it's just extraordinary. And I can't think of another time. I mean, the other thing, actually, on the one hand, you've got all that passion and anger. But actually, the other thing I'd say is that focus groups around the country, I mean, I can't think of one person in recent focus groups who even knew that the locals were happening this week. <laughs> I mean, not, you know... Well, also, that element's not as on you. I mean, most of the time people aren't. I think there might be a bit more focus. I think it is that this sense that Brexit has sucked all of the energy. I mean, you're quite right. There wouldn't generally be very much enthusiasm. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, but but th- there just is this sense that Brexit has eclipsed everything. And obviously, at the moment, there's a prospect of more elections sort of down the track in another, another three weeks. <laughs> am so, am you know. I wrong for imagining that in the olden days, we'd sort of see party leaders out doing visits and campaigning and you things. Do regional, you do regional you visits do, and stuff. That, that doesn't feel like that's happening either. We haven't had Theresa May in Bath in a sign well, that they're worried about what's happening. because she and Jeremy Corbyn are stuck and... in their Brexit. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the internal discussion... I mean, yes, and I imagine you know, parties are still doing the, you know, you go down, you do the regional media hit and all the rest of it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there are local parties saying... You know what? Don't. don't I'm, I'm sure your diary's very busy. Don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and handle this one ourselves. There's always there's always hostility and cynicism about politics. Yeah. I think it's seeped to a a new high in the vitriol, and also, generally speaking, you'd expect councillors to get a fair reception on the doorstep. They've always kind of been seen as well. We know you're kind of decent people. You're decent, decent but you're, you're doing people. your best. You know, you're putting out time. That seems to now completely change. It is a sort of plague yeah. on all your houses yeah. thing. And that the turnout is going to be low. I'm always, so I always raise my eyebrows a bit because it's the, the classic pundit get out of jail thing is to go, well, it's all about turnout because, of course, <laughs> that's what elections are. <laughs> um, but this one it is going to be quite interesting because if you're a Conservative voter and you're frustrated about Brexit, I can't see any reason why you, at all why you'd bother to go out and vote for the Conservative well, the, Party. It's you're interesting. Just say, oh, it's, not going to bother. it's interesting that, in fact, some Tories are following the route which I think I've done on occasions, which is say, well, vote for me at the locals, and then you can vent your anger at the Euro elections. Um, And exactly the same will happen with the Labour candidates. I can imagine there are people saying, look, I've been a good councillor for years, stick with me, but get angry with the Labour Party when you get to the Euro elections. But this time it's different, isn't it? Because for once, the European elections are actually going to be about Europe. Yes, and that's really unusual. You know, they're not. They're not just a referendum. And we know far more about how the European Parliament works and the <laughs> inner workings of uh, the European Union than ever before. And the corollary to that is that, in fact, 
local elections are normally partly, as you said earlier, about local issues, but people vote according to national issues. Trying to cut through this time and get a discussion about how your local council runs its education or its bin service is nigh on impossible. And that's true of all parties. I think this has been really frustrating for Labour because I think Labour have actually had a plethora of policies. They have actually had stuff out there. Yes, they've actually done what you would say a party should do. Yeah, no, it's one of the things can't land at all. It's one of the things I remarked on last week, that every day last week, the Labour Party put out a policy announcement on dementia and housing and... Social care. Social care. Yeah. Um, And the Tories were just sort of falling out amongst themselves and trying not to mention Brexit at all. Um, In terms of turnout and very low turnout, does that benefit one party or another? Is one party better at getting out some people in the right places than others or... Or is it just actually, once you get down to 20-30%, it's anyone's guess? I think if there is an organised opposition party, the Lib Dems may fall into that category on this Mm. occasion, and a group which we haven't touched on, who are appearing more and more, are localised independent groups. And there's a fair number of those this time. Uh, They may well benefit from a lower turnout because the knee-jerk Labour or Tory voters who would go out because they felt it their duty may well not turn out. And certainly, therefore, if you've got a a well-organised alternative party, and it may, as I say, be an alternative grouping rather than a party, they could do quite well. And that could be very local. Because, I mean, what you're not, as you said earlier, you haven't got Change UK standing, you haven't got the Brexit party. And actually, UKIP are a very um, kind of reduced presence in these Mm. these elections as well. So they're obviously not going to make... And this always always happens, particularly actually, Maureen, when you have by-elections particularly, you'll get some really weird random result and you'll go, what on earth was that? And it'll turn out to be some incredibly complex, arcane local dispute that an independent party has formed and they've, like, swept the board or something. It's always really random results. If yeah. extrapolated nationwide, <laughs> the Kidderminster Falcon Society is going to form an next government. Uh, we'll talk more about these new parties which aren't standing in a moment. We'll be back after this short break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
Welcome back. You're listening to Red Box Podcast with me, Matt Jolly, joined in the studio by Robert Haywood, Deborah Madison, and Sean Kemp. Um, ju- we were talking just before the break. Uh, well, you kept bringing up the people who aren't standing in the election. So let's talk about that because <laughs> it is strange that the two yeah. the two parties that are currently dominating sort of political discussion haven't got anything to do with this great moment of democracy which is happening on Thursday. Let's start with Change UK, Sean. And well, I've followed you on Twitter for years, obviously, but your particular reaction to Change UK is uh, yeah, I, I, Change UK, the independent group. Hashtag Remain Alliance. I, I fear I'm turning into what I used to promise I wouldn't turn into, which is the person who used to work in political comms then sits back on social media and goes, well, they shouldn't have done it that way. There's no, there's no record. There are plenty of people stepping forward on that one. There's no record at all, Sean, of a Lib Dem ever breaking that promise. So, uh, uh, Or any, any promise at all, in fact. I, what I struggle with with Change UK is um, I, I think they've found it very hard to appreciate the fact that they are a small party. And the rules for doing political comms as a small party are different to what it's like being a big party. It doesn't mean, one, it doesn't mean it, you're better if you do it for a small party, you're better if you do it big. It's just different. It's a real fight. And I, I, it's a bit like the Tom Cruise speech, like Joe McGrath. It's a soul-destroying fight to try and get coverage and just be noticed every day. And I think what we've seen even with Change UK, after the launch where they did get noticed, did get coverage, is I think they've had an attitude sometimes of expecting people just to cover them and to find them interesting and expect to, frankly, be treated with a level of respect that doesn't come to you when you only have a handful of MPs. I thought the launch was interesting and the media around it, because every time a journalist raised a critical question, they were quite snippy to the journalists. They were like, well, we, we think our name is perfectly clear. You know, they, they, that person's a right-wing journalist. Somebody asked, why have you got a logo in five different colours and was told that's such a Westminster bubble question? <laughs> and, well, this is, but this is another thing you like. like so the Lib Dems, like, you very quickly, you learn the lesson that if you have any other weird random thing, you've changed your, like, you've changed the logo, or God forbid, as we did a conference once, you're having robocalls as part of the campaign, anything or whatever. That's all the journalists ask about. It's, it is just a different set of rules, and I think they're taking a while, which is understandable to get used to those different set of rules. But what I, my worry about them for you, genuinely, is I, I feel that early momentum is being lost because mm. if you compare to how they're handling the media of how the Brexit party are, who are a bit more schooled in this and understand how to do it. If you look at how they announced their candidates, it was one big blur from the from Change UK. Here they all are. Here's Gavin Estler doing a speech that's better than any of our actual MPs. Um, the other sense of Brexit was the Brexit party, they staggered them. You had a sort of stream of who the candidates were. They're coming up on social media. They just, they've got to get a bit more streetwise, I think. Um, and they've got to do it quickly. I think the other thing, I mean, just thinking about those candidates was they did seem to me to be business as usual mm. in a sense. They, you know, they were almost like the epitome of, of elites, weren't they? I mean, you know, Rachel Johnson and Gavin Esler and, 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 and so on. And it seemed to me, in a way, if you're trying to say we're creating this party that's going to be very different and exciting and it's going to change things. Well, actually, the Brexit party looked a bit more like that with their, you know, I mean, you know, they had a kind of, you know, ex-army person and a plumber and a, they had more ordinary people, I think. Yes, and, immigrant yeah, stock, yeah, which you wouldn't have yeah. expected um, speaking out in that direction. There, there was a sense of difference. Well, One other observation, which isn't to do with specifically the, the, the parties that aren't on, although one or two of them have followed this route, is the habit of candidates and people to put on the le- on the polling on the ballot paper Deborah as locally known as Debs 
better known <laughs> as, and you're, you're appealing, or Robert, UK, Robert known, known as, as you know, and, and you just wonder well, that's how many people do, on a ballot paper. oh, all over the country, oh, wow. and you think, how many people actually know them as Debs or Deborah or Rob or Robert or Bob, and, and therefore to, to fuss about it, but it's, it's the confusion of names, which is part of this stupidity of British politics, and I, I, <laughs> yeah. I to the extent that when I sent out a briefing the other day, I had to check whether Change UK was Change UK or Change Dot UK or some other name. We're living yeah. with both individuals. I think it's been all of them. This is a really this is a minor example. But I saw this on Twitter the other day, and I sort of sent it my phone because it kind it slightly summed it up. Um, and this is minor process, I know, but they were obviously bruised that people criticised them about the slogan and the name and the rest of it. And, so, and they, they all tweeted, oh, you know, our, our, <coughs> you know, Chris Leslie tweeted Corbyn's Labour leaflet, Mars their breast aunts. Our Change UK leaflet couldn't be clearer. And it's a screen grab of it. And then it's their slogan, which is, for a people's vote, for remain, vote Change UK. Well, that actually could be clearer. Like, the Lib Dem <laughs> one is, vote Lib Dems to stop Brexit, for example. And I know that's really minor process. People are going to say, what does it matter? What does yeah. it matter? I think it... It does matter because they're not going to get that many opportunities it to keep that sense of People are not so, pay, paying attention. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not gripped by this in the way that the Westminster Village is. And you've got to be really clear. And that's the strength of the Brexit Party. It does what it says on. The and there's a risk I'm being churlish, by the way, as a Lib Dem, who's like, get off our centre ground. Which I, I so well, there's a health warning there. But and I think they will but get there. There's also there's also a sense of uh, probably um, Schadenfreude and uh, déjà vu too. You know, mix my continental. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been there, and you're you've been there, and actually you've been there when some of these people who are now involved in Change UK were slightly smug, big party. Types, yes, and, and what they would do is laughing they'll, at the funny Lib Dems, and you would sometimes see them in a like in a bar in Westminster or someone, and someone from Labour or the Tories would like put an arm around your shoulder and go, "You just need to try and get on the news at ten a bit more." And you'd be like, oh, thank you. "We hadn't considered that." Yeah, so now seeing other people going <laughs> yes, now it is a little the, bit like now. Now you're why, learning. Why do you think they will get there though? What is it that makes well, you think they will? Well, I'm being charitable, I think it's not like they aren't smart people. It's just they're dealing with it. It's a slightly different discipline, and I, and yeah. I think. With Being time, smart, it's not the you mark can of get success. No, you can no, but if you are smart enough to actually learn from what you're doing, go. Oh, well, okay. Actually, what we need to do is try and do things in mm. this way, or maybe tweak things like this. Hire people who've got a bit more experience in that kind of world. These are not insurmountable issues. The difficulty, I think, is that is if they kind of get seen like I've made various sort of cheap jokes about them, but if that just becomes how they're sort of known, that's quite hard to shake off. So they've got to do it quite quickly. But I, I don't want to be sort of very sort of dismissive of them to say they're not going to manage it. They may well manage it. They're not. They're not fools. To what extent do you think that they might just end up being the gateway drug to people going back to the Lib Dems? Because if if you're going to give up on one of the main parties because you want to stop Brexit, why not just vote Lib Dem? By Which one, I know is basically the Lib Dems. Uh, yeah, I know that's the Lib Dems. Exactly. And it's interesting actually. You can see in the Change UK and Lib Dem dynamic actually people are really getting a bit territorial about it. Once you make a cho- choice to join one particular party, and certainly then once you make a choice maybe to leave one and then join another, there is a kind of tribal attachment that kicks in. It's stronger for some parties than others. It's probably strongest, I'd say, for the Labour Party, for example. I think if someone, say, yeah. stops being a Labour supporter and then identifies themselves as a, a Change UK member or supporter, I'm not sure they're then going to say, oh, this is just part of my ongoing journey towards the Lib Dems. I, I think... I just have an instinct, and it may be completely wrong, that people are going to sort of, if they decide I'm a Change UK person, they're going to kind of have that as an identity they want to sort of stick to. So 
I would like to see those sort of centre parties try and work out a way to work together and ally longer term. I think it's the only sensible thing to do. How easy that's going to be to manage in reality is a, is another issue. And what about on the other side, Robert, the, the, the Brexit party, obviously formed specifically for these European Parliament elections, but Nigel Farage is not someone who easily gives up the limelight. If they do do well... <laughs> And at some point, we'll probably have another general election, you know, do a general election anytime soon. Does this become a, does this become the new UKIP, the sort of right-wing irritation to the, for the Tory party? It could do, but I think the allegiance to any one party is limited, as Nigel Farage has proved himself. Yeah. Um, and he's the Brexit party has got a difficulty in itself in that... Every time a journalist writes or speaks about Nigel Farage, they qualify it by the former UKIP leader. Yeah. So UKIP gets a plug every time Brexit gets a plug, or virtually. And therefore, you have got two different parties. And coming back to the local elections, um, just as everybody else is wishing the other parties not to do well, uh, Brexit party will be hoping that UKIP mm. do not yeah. do too well, because... UKIP are on the ballot paper, although in a very small number of places, Brexit are not. So if the news is reporting on Friday well, that UKIP have held on to certain seats or gained a few or yeah. got a good turnout, then that's actually damaging not only to the Tories or to Labour or to whatever, but also to Brexit as well. So we are seeing a period of politi political change. But I would return to the observation that was made earlier on you don't do projections on Thursday's local elections stretching across to some general election, particularly when some of the parties are not even fighting <laughs> the local elections and they might fight general elections, and also because the structures will be somewhat different. So what what is the point of us, I mean, apart from this being an excellent podcast, but what is the point of us talking about them? What can we realistically take away from them? Because it can, you know, is a ba really bad set of results going to have an impact on Theresa May or, you know, given that, I mean, she lost a majority in a general election, so I'm not sure losing North East Hampshire is necessarily going to... I think uh, there are, I would say really quickly, I think there are two reasons. One is you can extrapolate some things. You can, you can um, get some sense of levels of enthusiasm among party members, the strength of the infrastructure and so on. And it does give you some sense of how the parties are, are, are viewed. You just have to look at it through, through filters. You can't just take it as the headline number. The, and the other reason why it should matter is because councils are still important and do a lot of incredibly important work yes. and really good work that matter to people's lives so that's my slightly pompous Lib Dem really coming out to service there but they are important elections but you can you can read some things into it I just think it's important not to overread I, I think that's I think the second point is the important point that actually let's not forget yeah. that at a local level there's very important work and some incredibly important policy areas have been devolved to, into local hands and it really matters and we're talking about billions of pounds local yeah. authorities yeah. spend huge sums of money either themselves or contracted out yeah. to work in one form or another yeah. so we are talking of very very big sums and big important decisions uh, for most people's lives and it's often where a lot of future national leaders are grown as well and and sort of nurtured is at a local level so uh, i think that's that's an important thing too but you know in the end in terms of the impact i don't know if you look at the election local elections a year ago it was basically a draw and, and everybody <laughs> said we did better than the other guys and it didn't i mean you know and 
I, th I think in the end we may end up with something that looks and a bit everyone like does that. their expectation yes. management. Yes, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Games I think the Tories would be very pleased if they saw a draw. I I think we will see just an incredible variety of views. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, last year uh, the political leaders were kind of casting around for where do they go, and Jeremy Corbyn had to go down to, <laughs> yeah. Cor to Plymouth as the, the only success that he could exactly. find. Oh, God, that's yes. the worst. Yes. Today, after yes. when you're like, well, what have we got? Where have where we are we gonna go? <laughs> How are we going to get there actually, into house? Plans to go somewhere else. I yes. forget where yes. now. That's somewhere that Labour had expected to go. Didn't Barnet. You expected Barnet. to go to Barnet. That's right. Yeah, he had expected uh, to go to Barnet. I, I, talking of the next day, um, and as you say, you get this. Um, the party leaders have to be seen somewhere where there's a success. Holding somebody's arm up, yeah. yes, cheering. I, I, I remember on one occasion having a phone call when the results were still coming through, kind of hours and hours later. Um, well, um, David Cameron's on a plane to Exeter. Should he go to Somerset, to Taunton, <laughs> or should he stay in Exeter? And, and then another occasion when I, there was a group at Euston Station and I was asked, well, tell us where we get tickets to. <laughs> just standing at the machine yeah. this is this is like at 6 30 or 7 in the morning i think it was well before seven so you where know, are they going to go on friday then i, I, don't, I i'm not quite sure where any party has an expectation to go to but that is part of the nightmare of early the next day well is it regular listeners of the podcast know um know where i came from given the choice on that plane he should obviously have gone to taunton and not exeter um <laughs> Are there places for people staying up all night filling in their wall charts? What are the, the, the places we should... What, which are the places which might tell us something about what's going on? Tory, Labour, Lib Dem? Well, there's the Jacob Rees-Morgland that, that might, might look optimistic I think there's some Dems, old, for example. What you would historically regard as old Lib Dem sort of strongholds. There's places yep. like Chelmsford, Bath, North East Somerset that you can sort of say... Does this show that they're getting st strong back there and are on on the way back in what you regard as being their, their their territories? I think they might be good early indicators. The in, in the in the north of England, uh, the two big authorities, Trafford, mm. where Sir Graham Brady has his parliamentary constituency, and so Calderdale, the other he's side. He's the chairman of the 1922 committee. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, both Labour. of those are likely to go Labour, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and therefore the script will be that Labour has re fully established and the Tories have been evicted from urban north of England yeah, yeah. Um, and the Tories may do poorly in Cheshire, so that will just confirm it as well. Yeah. So you'll have those sorts of places. Derby, then, Trent. then there are places where UKIP did very well last time, places like uh, Tendring, and we all know where Tendring is, don't we? It's actually Harwich by another, oh. Harwich and Clacton by another name, and Thanet and Dover, um, and Great Yarmouth, Brandon Lewis's constituency, where UKIP did very well in 2015. And the question is, do the independent which to which most of the UKIP pe people have migrated, do they retain their seats or do the seats return to being the traditional Conservative and Labour wards which they were before? Those independents, not to be confused with the independent group, of course. Uh, absolutely. The, we're talking here the, tendri <laughs> the Tendring First, the Thurrock Independents, the Thanet Independents and all the other independents who, the aren't the, so who aren't the independent group. <laughs> 
independent <laughs> group are I'm wondering why they're getting so many media calls. <laughs> okay, just before we wind up, um, uh, sometimes local politics can attract uh, interesting characters. So let's have your 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 favourite uh, most interesting character. Let's start with you, Robert. Well, at canvassing on one occasion when I w- was sitting as an MP in Bristol, um, a lady came to the door and said she was going to vote Labour, as ever. Total despair about her husband, and it really hurt her. And she said she was going to vote for me. Uh, he, he was going to vote for me. And I asked, why had he switched? And her response was, my husband thinks you are the best rugby referee in Bristol. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I get you a vote. Take, take it where you can get it. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Sean? We had a council. Well, we, there are two that stick in my mind. One is a, one is someone who was actually a councillor who then rocked up in his local paper telling the story about how he'd seen an alien walking down the high street wearing a tutu, and he'd commissioned. Who, them, who was wearing the tutu? The alien. The alien was, okay. and the councillor had commissioned a sort of like a sketch artist to do a sketch of this alien, and then appeared in the local paper posing next to it. Um, the other one was. And this was um, what a local newspaper did a um, like, who are your local council candidates thing? And they all got like a little hundred word biography about them. And one of the Lib Dem standing said, the only reason I'm standing is that God told me to. And if I'm elected, the only thing I will do is spread the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no interest in pursuing Liberal Democrat policies. <laughs> and she was one of that. And, it was, and she was like, then it was like, you know, whatever, Janet Bloggs, Liberal Democrats. <laughs> well, there we are. <laughs> what about you, Deborah? There have never been any funny Labour candidates. Um, if you've got never. a funny Labour candidate standing where you live, email us redbox at the times.co.uk. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. You get, um, get the latest results in your inbox when you wake up on Friday, sign up to my morning email at the times.co.uk forward slash red box and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Android, Acast or wherever you uh, listen and leave us a review as well um, even if it's to say that you l- still like Tim Montgomery more. Uh, but for now, my thanks to Robert Hayward and Deborah Madison, Sean Kemp and for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.